If your team has something called the purge in the offseason, it probably was not a championship season. I'm just saying. That's... <laughs> Greg, won't you please think of the poor networks? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Fox Sports. I'm really worried about them. But <laughs> we tried to record this on Thursday, and the Skype gods decided not to let us. Lemus Diaz might have been on our roster. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 123 of Artificial Turf Wars where we'd like to make a trade, but nobody's interested in these magic beans. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? Not too bad, and you? I'm, I'm excellent because we got stuff to talk about. Uh, almost didn't, then uh, then we did, because the Blue Jays have made a trade. Goodbye, Atletis Diaz, and we'll talk about the implications of that. Uh, we will talk about uh, Justin Smoke, who has uh, not inherited a gold glove, but has re-upped. Uh, whether he wanted to or not. Uh, Yang Hervis Salarte has not. Uh, and all of the implications for other people who have left the 40-man roster uh, and uh, and what that's going to look like. There was Jay Happ uh, buzz. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, then we have some coaching changes. Uh, again, brand new hitting coach, brand new bench coach. Uh, we'll talk about what that means. In the context of next year, uh, there's a bunch more money coming from Fox. We have your questions, and then we have a gold star to one of our favorite players on Twitter and a do-over from a repeat offender, because we love our repeat offenders around here. Wow. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like a lot's happened, but that seems like now I'm, I'm looking at like a long list. So let's start with the, the most recent news. Aledmus Diaz is no longer a Toronto Blue Jay. He is a... He's an Astro. All right. I feel like... He's going back to not very far away. He came from the Cardinals, right? Yep. It's not super far from where he came from. Wrong league. It's not that close either. <laughs> uh, and then we got a guy named Trent Thornton, who I have just discovered one fact about, and uh, you seem to like it. It's that his leg kick when pitching from the, the windup, uh, his his toe comes up to about eye level every single time. Yeah, I love funky deliveries. I always have. And his is funky. <laughs> he's yeah. He doesn't look happy unless he's uh, basically doing the splits on the mound there. Yeah, it's funny. We pitched from the stretch. His delivery is much cleaner. I mean, it has to be, but it's <laughs> totally different. Yeah, uh, well, you can't you can't give a guy that long to to uh, scout you out on the delivery uh, when he's on first base because he's not a lefty, right? Right. You can't be right-handed and have spend an extra you know three quarters of a second with your foot in the air. No, um, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really work. Although it's still kind of slow to the plate, so that could be an issue. Uh, he's in. A, he seems. I, I. I'd never heard of Tyler Thornton before today. So, you know, like, to take this with some grain of salt. I'm just reading other people's scouting reports, but uh, you know, it seems like he's a guy who impressed I, I, quite a bit. Apparently, I called him Trent because that's what someone typed down. But his name's Tyler. So apologies. Did I just to say Mr. Trent Thornton. as well? No, yeah. you said Tyler, and then I looked at the list. <laughs> gonna catch my own mistake for once no it is trent well so, then the blue jay hunter's wrong yeah no it, it's trent i don't I, I was reading i was reading the same the video that you were talking about it's, his name is trent thornton let's get that out of the All way right. really important <laughs> done <laughs> uh, yeah trent thornton and so he's a guy that 
uh, you know, if you look at his numbers, he's not going to be very impressive. His ERA is over four in AAA, five the year before that. But he throws reasonably hard. Apparently, he has really good spin on his pitches. His fastball is curveball slider. And, you know, Keith Law seemed to like him. Apparently, there was a lot of interest in him. You know, when Keith Law likes a, boot, a, a move with the Jays, it's not that common. I'm just kidding. I don't actually think there's a bias there. But <laughs> I, I don't think Keith Law likes like three quarters of what anybody does, which just shocks me. Well, I just think that he has his own evaluations and doesn't care what other people's are, which is, you know, it's fine. But uh, one thing that, that's interesting about this guy, about not not Tyler. Um, Trent. Yes, Trent. That's why I said not Tyler. But <laughs> he, uh, he's he got that funky delivery and he throws reasonably hard and throws some strikes. So that sounds like it could be something good, but he tends to get hit harder than he should apparently. So it seems like at minimum, this is a guy that could be a multi-inning relief pitcher who provides some value to the bullpen, if not potentially a back of the rotation starter, which... You know, on the serve, it's something they needed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they traded an infielder for something they needed. I don't know on value if it's necessarily a fantastic trade, but it worked out filling a hole. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the what we what we've said the last couple times we've been uh, around is the Blue Jays need pitching. There's no way around it. There's no secret to it that um, if you throw them anything moderately valuable that's that's major league ready, not necessarily dominant, but just major league ready, I think they're gonna at least take a serious look at at that those assets. Because they're they're that far behind the hole with with starting pitching. Exactly, and you know, especially when they're trading from their infield depth, which is as we've made jokes about before, they have about four thousand infielders right now. Well, now they have you know three thousand nine hundred ninety nine infielders. <laughs> um, Chip away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, they traded JB Woodman for Diaz last year, and D- but Woodman has been released and is not playing affiliated baseball right now. And then, so on an asset management level, it actually seems like it's quite good. And I've seen people mentioning that on Twitter after this trade. It doesn't really matter (laughs) (laughs) because Aledmus Diaz was worth less a year ago than he is now. So you can't say, oh, they got, you know, traded Woodman for, you know, for, for this, right? Like it doesn't really work that way. That said, Thornton seems like he could be useful and that's really all that should matter. All right. I think that about, seals puts the lid on the first offseason trade for the blue jays so kind of what we were expecting we'll see if they uh if they continue to make these you know little incremental moves to try and uh get them into spring training or if there's some a bigger splash coming okay that said uh we have justin smoke who they did make a decision about which uh they decided to pick up his option possibly the biggest no-brainer in the roster um not, not that the media would have had you believe that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Was John Hammond just bored? <laughs> Put up this report that the Jays, you know, hadn't decided on picking up Smoke's option. Of course they had. <laughs> I mean, I haven't decided whether I'm going to have breakfast tomorrow morning or not. But the odds are that I'm going to need to have something <laughs> for breakfast, right? Now Greg's going to get like really drunk for some reason tonight and sleep through breakfast and just eat lunch just to spite himself. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah, a cheap uh, for a quality player who has been, you know, dependable the last two years, plays good first base, is an offensive. uh, Offensively, he's above average production. Um, Now, he didn't win a gold glove. I think we noted that he was nominated last time we had the podcast. Uh, He did not win, which, uh, yeah, that means no Blue Jay has won anything in this offseason. Nope. No, I, I mean, 
a lot of people thought Matt Olson was going to win and because he won the Fielding Bible Award and some of those same people vote on this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it would have been nice, but yeah. <laughs> Just going to have to go with the leather glove all next season. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll probably be got a lot easier to pick balls with a glove made of leather than one made of gold. Exactly. That's, I think, what people forget about the gold glove. He has to play with an actual metal glove the following year, and that's why it's so hard to repeat as a gold glove winner. There you go. (laughs) Fun fact that you probably won't want to bring out at parties. Uh, So the other uh, option that that was on the table was Jan Hervis Solarte. And in, uh, you know, in in not a shocker, the Blue Jays decided not to pick that up, which means he's he's still kind of hanging around the roster, but but he's he's not going to be a Blue Jay next year for all intents and purposes. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he's a Blue Jay by Tuesday because. That's the date when they have to set the 40-man rosters. We're recording this on Saturday, so the 20th. And they have a crunch, which we've talked about in the past. They have a few guys that need to add. And, in fact, the player they just traded for, Trent Thornton, needs to be added to the 40-man. <laughs> was Aledmus Diaz not on the 40-man? He was, but okay. Thornton was not. Thornton technically is not on it yet. Mm. Right? He, he was potentially exposed to the Rule 5, if not added by Houston, and now the same applies to the Blue Jays. So... They have this crunch, and right now Solarte is taking up a spot, and the non-tender deadline is 10 days later. So I can't see any way he isn't DFA'd on Tuesday. Right. And for the – what I don't know. How, how long was he entertaining for, really, uh, or useful for? Six weeks? Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> maybe. Maybe five and a half. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was not a uh, last three quarters of the season we want to talk about for him. Um it's a shame that he got exposed because he does seem to be a you know fun player, fun guy to have in the clubhouse, but just not someone you can play every day. So uh, with a couple people banging on the door in the infield, I think it's uh, it was pretty obvious and has been for a while. So goodbye, Yang Hervis. We hardly knew ye. Yeah, and it's too bad, too, because he was actually a decent player before that. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2015 and 2016, he was a legitimate starting player, and he's just, you know, he's declined. <laughs> Happens a lot. So you alluded to this that they need to add uh, players. They they did DFA several several guys. Uh, do you have some of those names? I know you mentioned. Uh, let's see, Jake Patrichka, um, Ramirez. I can't remember now all of them. Well, six. Jamie Harold. He he was just not added. But okay. Yeah, I mean, so the names that they dropped were Jose Fernandez, Jake Patrichka, Reiner Cruz, Taylor Guerrero, and Jason Schaefer. Now, some of those things like Reiner Cruz, he was never going to be anything. He was he just was on the 60 day DL and they had to get rid of him. Uh, Fernandez was the one that was interesting to people. And I think you were you, you noted this previously when we were talking about this. He's a hard throwing lefty who did really well in AAA last year and he's only 25. So what that says to me is that they either don't think he has the potential to be a a lefty reliever, which considering they have no lefty relievers seems unlikely, but it's more so that I think they're going to add Travis Bergen who dominated double a as a, as a lefty last year after finally staying healthy and, you know, put him on the 40 man roster because they think he has more potential to help. And that's not a big leap up from double a to the majors for, uh, you know, for a, a, a relief prospect, right? No, it's nothing. So we'll, we'll see if, uh, they prove you right in about, well, how many days did you say? Five days. Uh, three days <laughs> three days <laughs> we'll let you know on tuesday no we won't we'll let you know the tuesday after that uh so they, they still have a bit of a crunch they have like four or five slots now on the 40 man that they they can move people into but yeah it's 
Go ahead. They, they have four slots right now, but they have some still some guys they they can drop like Mark Leiter, who I don't know why he even survived the purge, but and then poor Dalton Pompey and <laughs> and Hermes Solarte, all of them could be off, which could create some nice room. If your team has something called the purge in the off season, it probably was not a championship season. I'm just saying that's. <laughs> Okay, so that's the 40-man. Uh, th- there was some conversation from Ross Atkins that they had met with Jay Happ's agent. Uh, you asked me to bring that up specifically because you weren't sure what what that would entail. Yeah, I, <laughs> when I've been talking about Jay Happ, I've just been saying all offseason doesn't make any sense because, look, Jay Happ's great, and I love Jay Happ, and I've written about him 400 times. He's right as much as I write about Marco Estrada. <laughs> but he's 36, and this, with the way he's been pitching, he has to try to be getting a three-year deal, right? Anybody who's 36 is trying to get as many years as they possibly can because next year there's no three-year deal for a 37-year-old. Right, and especially considering he's still coming off a very good season and last year, next year might not be. But if you're the Blue Jays and you're a building team who's not planning to win next year and maybe in 2020, do you really want to be tying in a roster spot to a pitcher who might be in his late 30s and declining? Yeah, yeah. This is this is not a CC Sabathia situation where, you know, the Yankees have the luxury of signing him to one year deals every like, the the interests just don't line up the same way. Yeah, I mean, look, if Jay Happ says, "Hey, I love Toronto so much, I'll sign for one or two years," fine. But I just I don't see that being a situation that would <laughs> would be something that his agents would be okay with. Yeah, I mean, he this year was the gamble year to prove his value. So now you got to go get the value. Totally agree with you. So I'm glad that they maybe they just felt bad that people would think that they they never talked to Jay Happ. So they said, hey, Jay, you want to come here for a year? And he said, no. <laughs> and that's now they've had a chat. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the things that have also changed, um, we'll start with the I guess the nerdy one is the front office change. We found out that Carson Sestouli who has been at Fangraphs for literally forever, as far as I know. Um, I read his farewell post uh, at Fangraphs. He's been there for nine years, which is just... My mind is blown that one guy at a website for nine years. Um, all <laughs> kinds of, of articles at Fangraphs and different ideas he's put out there and everything else. Uh, he's not at Fangraphs anymore because he was hired by the Toronto Blue Jays, which... I totally did not expect that. Did you? Would, would you have guessed in a million years that Carson Sestouli would be working for the Blue Jays? Nope. <laughs> That's a pretty easy one to answer. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of authors go on to to teams, but he just seems so entrenched. And and he has I don't know how to put it. Carson has a slightly absurd personality, um, like quirky. So the idea of him in a you know. I, I can't imagine they're going to ask him to come into the office, put on a suit, and sit down and do work at spreadsheets all day on their dime. Like, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. I mean, so Sestouli, they hired him as a pro scout. And it's very funny because Carson Sestouli's whole thing is looking for these fringe prospects and trying to pump them up. Yeah. I, so, I, I don't know. Maybe well, maybe they think he's really good at identifying the guys on the fringe. And it's like, all right, you are the one who's going to go out there and get us the next insert random prospect who balloons here. <laughs> um, he also has uh, he was responsible for the nerd score, which was I forget what the acronym stood for, but essentially he would rank 
each starting pitcher in in terms of his interestingness to watch as opposed to the <laughs> the how should I put it how good he was um so Ari Dickey had a high nerd score right because he threw a a knuckleball, even though he didn't throw hard. Um, and then he put the two starting pitcher nerd scores up against one another and develop a game nerd score. So if you wanted to watch the most interesting games of the week, you could go down his scoreboard and, and you know, not be caught watching, shall I say, Jay Happ versus, um, you know, some other garden variety starter and wondering why you tuned in. I'm like, just that sort of whole different way of kind of approaching the game. It's cool, but again, I still don't see how an MLB team is like, ah, yeah, among the many things you do, I think I think there's a thing we really need here. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a lot of goofy things. Like on his podcast, it's all jokes and things like that. So I, I think it's got to be about the prospect stuff. Although, you know, they did just trade for Trent, not Tyler Thornton. And he's got that big funky delivery. I think he'd have a high nerd score. Indeed, that's exactly the kind of thing that would bump up the nerd score. Um, or maybe the Blue Jays just like someone who likes Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, which, as I recall, is the theme for Fangraphs Audio and has been forever and ever and ever. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. There's also the coaching changes. So we know Tim Leeper and Brooke Jacoby are gone. Um, a lot of people a little bit upset about Tim Leeper on Twitter. I kind of understand that. I remember when people were upset about Brian Butterfield leaving when, when in that era where... Uh, because the coaches are on the field, you know, as opposed to maybe like the, the bullpen coach, um, it's someone I think the people get familiar with seeing or, or them talking to players and that kind of thing. So they sort of identify with them. Yeah, but, I mean, I think that's certainly true. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. But ultimately, is it going to be, a, you know, the difference between winning and losing or, or were these guys doing a great job? I I don't know. Like, how do you tell whether Tim Leeper's doing a, a good, mediocre, or fantastic job as a first base coach? You had some thoughts on that, I think. I do. And I just, but before I get into them, I, I think also with Leeper, you know, he was always, you know, he was socially conscious and he was you know, he, not only just on the field, but he was vocal. Yes. So people, you know, they identify with him and they actually recognize him as opposed to just like, you know, thinking about certain other coaches who always send people in from third base when they shouldn't. But. <laughs> When it comes to Tim Leeper, one of the things that I think may have cost him his job is how bad the outfielders were. So Tim Leeper is the outfielding coach, and Pilar and Grichuk both took steps backwards this year from their career norms. And then, you know, Teoscar Hernandez was unplayable, despite all reports that he could handle all three outfield spots coming up. So I wonder if that hurt him, this idea that the outfielders should be better than they are and the coaching should be part of that i don't know if it's positioning or what but i think that cost him his job and then brooke jacoby well you know team can't hit <laughs> yeah team team under him was both the one of the most fantastic offensive powerhouses of all time and mm -hmm. also a complete mystery as to why they couldn't avoid some of the very common pitfalls in the modern game and actually score runs both brooke jacoby teams so yeah to me the hitting coach is is like just smoke and mirrors most of the time yeah i agree i mean major league hitters tend to know what they're doing and what they want to do i think there's only so much they can do just in terms of making sure their mechanics are consistent indeed uh okay so they were replaced dave oh sorry leaper has not been replaced jacoby has been replaced by guillermo martinez who has been a hitting coach in the minor leagues uh and i cannot remember what he spent his last year doing 
he was a roving hitting instructor yeah. for the in the in the minors as well. So you know, he he was he was promoted from within. He was in the Blue Jays minor league organization. So I mean that could be interesting. Obviously, the, some of the Jays minor league hitters are pretty good. <laughs> so can they go one or two? Um, I wonder how many of these moves actually have to do with, uh, you know, Vlad Jr. more than anything else. As silly as it sounds, I, I wonder if in a lot of cases, um, you know, making sure that there's there's people who can uh, communicate with him and people who know him and people who he's comfortable with to try and make it as easy as possible to make that transition to the major leagues. As silly as it sounds, if he really is going to be the franchise player, uh, what does it hurt to spend, you know, to spend a million dollars on, on a coach who he really, really enjoys working with? I hope that's not what they're doing because he's the one guy who probably doesn't need it. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, he grew up around the made around baseball fields. You know, his dad was a hall of famer and he was at the field all the time. And he's so good that I would hope that if they're picking coaches, it's not, with him in mind, but with everybody else. Fair enough. Uh, which leads us to Dave Hudgens, who has displaced DeMarlo Hale as the bench coach. Uh, I, I understand that DeMarlo Hale has not been completely displaced. He's just not the bench coach anymore. What is... Yeah. Hud- yeah. What, just yeah, what's Hudgens' background? Well, he was the, the hitting coach for the Astros up until very recently. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly what his role on the hitting side will be. But that's fine. It doesn't really matter. He's a bench coach. But the the interesting thing with Hale is that, as you mentioned, he has not been let go yet, unlike Leeper and Jacoby. He's still – they're trying to find him another spot within the organization. So I was really hoping that he would go coach third and <laughs> Rivera so, can move over to first. Just so we don't have another year of hearing about Luis, Luis Rivera's sends or lack thereof. Yeah. Although we're going to, uh, if that happens, we're going to get all these guys thrown out trying to stretch singles into doubles. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, you can make it. You can make it. Um, <laughs> I still think that there should be, you know, that Blue Jays art fellow on Twitter. He does some really nice stuff. I, I kind yeah, of want, really want him to do uh, one of those where someone is running Rivera's stop sign <laughs> very calmly. Just, <laughs> just an action shot of him with his arms up and, and that unimpressed expression on his face as somebody blows the doors off of him at like 25 miles an hour. <laughs> I love that idea. And his name is Chris Ripley, by the way, for everyone who's interested. His stuff is at Blue Jays Art. He's really good. But we need to commission this. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe the Patreon. We can get we can work something out. <laughs> <laughs> commission it and then give it away oh man (laughs) all right uh so going forward of course we are talking about team that wants to contend all these changes are getting made players getting called up trades etc etc this is in light of uh the recent development fox has signed on for uh, 2021 to 2028 now with blue jays baseball sorry with major league baseball for $5.1 billion over that period, simply extending the existing contract up to 2028. So for all of you who think baseball's dead, well, baseball is still is now paid for until uh, 10 years from now. How, yeah. how can you say the teams are just, oh gosh, I don't know how they're going to figure out how to pay people. Like, I mean, Steve Pierce just got $6.25 million after winning World Series MVP and being far more than a serviceable first baseman. Like, what is going on here other than a huge labor dispute coming in the next year or two? The huge labor dispute. <laughs> I mean, 
it's this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I mean, and the players will try to use this deal as leverage for something, whether it's a, a massive increase in the luxury tax, some kind of difference in the way the money is distributed and how it, players become free agents and everything, because this is an extra $24 million per team per year. Like, That's, yeah, $24 million is, is, is a star player, right? Right. Like a superstar player. Yes. Like, yeah, it's, like if you want to say, hmm, you know what? We'd like to go sign Patrick Corbin. Well, this deal will pay for Patrick Corbin. Yeah, it's insane. It's like it, it pays for, um, well, if you if you wanted to extend Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you could sign him to a, a fair value eight-year contract right now and effectively have exactly the same amount of money you did before they signed the Fox deal. Yep. 36% increase, by the way, over the previous yearly amount that Fox was giving them, lest you think that this is just the extension of the same deal. No, no, it's a big jump up. Yeah, and it was, it was funny. I was seeing people compare this to, I think you saw this too, to Ryan Howard's contract or, yeah. or Miguel Cabrera's. It's like, well, this isn't up for two more years. We're going to do a big, huge money extension, even though we don't know what the landscape's going to be at that point. But yeah, it's absolutely possible, but uh, I don't care. Nope, <laughs> don't care is money and i want to see the product on the field and i don't care how much it costs because clearly the money is not coming from the 60 dollars i'm going to spend on nice seats or whatever 80 dollars or whatever it works out to uh per seat by the way for all of you who haven't been to a game lately it is getting that ridiculous no the money is coming from tv deals from uh you know radio rights from uh online um views from merchandise there's so many different revenue streams that the, the the idea that somehow the player salaries are what's driving up the prices in some kind of direct relationship is ridiculous. Oh yeah, it's nuts. But Greg, won't you please think of the poor networks? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Fox Sports. I'm really worried about them. But anyway, <laughs> so this will be scary. I mean, <laughs> I really hope that they can somehow find a way to. You know, actually get a deal that doesn't involve us missing an entire season of baseball and killing it in Toronto again because I like baseball. Yeah. Well, you know, Rob Manfred doesn't. So, <laughs> good point. <laughs> anything's possible. All right. Uh, what is possible for us is that we're going to come back with your questions. And then we have, of course, you know, gold stars and such to hand out. We'll be right back. And we have returned, and of course, with our return, uh, we've scanned over your questions, we've looked at them, we've decided that none of them are worth answering. No, that's not true. We're just going to go to them right now. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? First question from November 11th is difficult, requires research, which is why I'm going to ask you... <laughs> from Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt for the next pod any news on Julian Merriweather's recovery he had Tommy John surgery on 9th March he should be well into a throwing program and maybe starting to think about throwing from a mound but I haven't heard any updates also where does he land on the Jays prospect list so for the first part of that question you know like that's you know like you said he had the surgery on the 9th of March and you know that's nine months ago so he'll, he's probably into his throwing program but we're not going to hear about anything until we get closer to spring training because 
it doesn't matter so much. He, he's not going to be in the opening day roster, and they, they're going to give him that whatever time he needs to get all the way back. As for where he stands on the prospect list, I don't think he's really on it. Um, I, mean, I mean, like he might be in the back half of their top 30 or something like that. You know, he 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 seems like a guy who, if he's all the way back, could be a useful reliever or a depth starting pitcher. And then, you know, that's if that sounds like someone the Blue Jays is just trading for it, that's not a secret. But that's not a guy that is exactly an exciting prospect. Indeed. Next. From Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6. If you could design the Blue Jays spring training ball cap, what would it look like? I would have to say it would need to have a Blue Jay on it. I mean, if if you would just want to do like part of that Blue Jay logo, maybe like the sort of the top half of the Jays feather and eye or, you know, kind of like that, that'd be interesting. I really don't like things with the letter T or the Maple Leaf. I, it's the Blue Jays. You shouldn't abandon that just because it's spring training. Um, also, definitely blue cap. Hundred uh, percent. I'm not. I, I think blue Jays, blue, not navy. Yes, yes, absolutely. True blue Jays, blue in the cap. Um, yeah, those two things would be the part of the a portion of the blue Jay logo. I understand you don't want the whole thing, um, but some some stylized portion and the true blue of the jersey. That's what would get me started. I say bring back the T with the flexing bird around it. The must the the steroid bird. <laughs> Yes. Everybody loves a good steroid bird. Um, <laughs> Kate Stanwick at OK Stan says, what changes would you like to see made to the Blue Jays spring training facility in Dunedin during the renovation? Uh, and then related to that, I guess, would be minor leaguers uh, follow up. Would you like the new Dunedin Stadium to mirror the Roger Sensions dimensions and wall height? So uh, the second question first, I think that there's value to that, that, you know, like, Playing in the let the outfielders get used to the angles that they're going to be playing in the major league stadium. I don't want it. I think it's it's more fun seeing the gigantic walls in center, and it, it's just it feels more like a minor league park. <laughs> you know, it's mm. not supposed to look like the major leagues, and they're not going to be playing every game in the dome anyway. And, and you know, it's not going to make turf field, so nothing would be the same anyway. As for what I would like to see, uh, maybe just a, a little more seating in the outfield because right now there's nothing there it's a school behind it you know? <laughs> so they can't get as many fans in there and it's actually a lot of fun when there's a lot of fans in spring training games i would like a little shade this oh is- yeah good one i forgot about that <laughs> i mean everybody loves florida and the sunshine and everything else but that facility is not set up to do anything but melt people especially i think i had seats <laughs> on the third baseline it was like holy moly it's just like being in the dome um except there's no concourse really that's big enough to hide on and you're in florida <laughs> yeah oh yeah plus yeah the humidity is just as high and the and the sun is just just that what 10 percent more intense all the time uh yeah yeah brutal um so those two things would be nice i don't i'm not i'm not fussed on the dimensions of that i actually kind of like a wall that you can do you don't have to be rajay davis or kevin pilar and at some magical moment in order to get up and look like you're going to steal something um, I think most outfielders should at least be able to make that effort. And if you can do that in spring training, well, then it's fun to show off. Yeah. Next. All right. From Noel Moxon at Circus Freak. Oh, he's not the box ball anymore. <laughs> what is your projected starting lineup and bench? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> 
uh it is what is the date today november november 17th um i'll be honest I, I always find even when someone makes a trade in like middle of january and people try and figure out how that guy is going to slot into the lineup or the bullpen i laugh ever since i think the mike napoli trade <laughs> that that yeah. taught me do not project anything or or spend any digital ink discussing where a guy fits in because 72 hours later it's all out the window i mean that's very true i mean well, it's, and it's very funny because when we started recording this our first attempt we tried to record this on thursday and the skype gods decided not to let us let him ds might have been on our roster <laughs> <laughs> he might have <laughs> Yep. Um, so, okay, here's my one person not in the starting lineup on opening day, Vlad Guerrero Jr. That's all you get. And I'll give you one that is Troy Tulowitzki. <laughs> yeah, I'm doubling I'm not, down. No, no comment. <laughs> no comment. Doubling down, damn it. <laughs> Luke at Split Letters asks, if you were in charge of renovations at the Dome, say Rogers Green let it, money ready to flow and you were told that you must include a unique quirk a la the green monster or wrigley's ivy notably he did not say the home run sculpture like marlin's park what would you add it's not really uh, you know, a quirk because that wasn't on the field right Ooh, that's a good one i think i might have to go with the like pull some something from what houston had with the hill in center field oh. Because <laughs> it would be the worst. No, no but actually, what I would actually do probably is is like just one random section where the foul foul territory is enormous, but just one little section. I think uh, I would I would put a little bit of a zigzag in that outfield wall somewhere where it came in unexpectedly by about ten feet and then back out, um, but make it symmetrical just to. <laughs> on both sides <laughs> <laughs> like your power alleys have this magic spot where you really only have to hit a ball about 365 to get them over <laughs> it's like every hitter immediately wants to come to toronto on one-year contracts <laughs> if i could just figure out how to hit it at that one precise angle oh man yeah so that would be my quirk uh hills you, you, don't, you don't see the flagpoles out in the outfield anymore <sighs> That was a that was a thing for a while. Um, yeah. yeah, that was bizarre. I mean, like, I mean, we're not talking about the dome anymore, but there was a hill with a flagpole on it in play. <laughs> the park I play at has that because it's a city <laughs> park and there's no control over that. Uh, maybe you could put. Uh, maybe we could put some sort of Toronto traffic running right through the stadium. Just detour people, <laughs> so you could try and hit the cars with the with the home run balls like the train in Seattle. It's like because everybody knows that nobody nobody can get on the train in any reasonable amount of time in Toronto. So you just do. You're just trying to make this even more like Talbot Park where I play, where people try to hit the balls onto Eglinton to hit the cars. There you go. Maybe we should just move the Blue Jays to Talbot Park on Eglinton and see how it goes for a couple. I am so for this idea. (laughs) I'd love to see major leaguers show up. Where's the right field fence? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You just you hit it that way. You just keep running. There you go. oh man uh i guess that that is all of our questions i didn't miss a refresh there did i no all right thank you once again for all your questions it is uh good fun speculating on all of the futures you people are imagining um we are going to go to the gold star which uh is coming that's all the brilliant so i did good right i mean i would have thought you'd get a gold star 
You enjoy that. You've earned it. We are going to put someone in the Gold Star Hall of Fame, which we've never done before, I don't think. Uh, and that would be the Twitter handle at iThrow88, Dan Heron, former Major League Baseball pitcher who is probably one of the funniest and most self-deprecating people on Twitter and also um, an incredibly infrequent tweeter. So if you were to follow him, it really wouldn't clog up your timeline. No, Uh, he doesn't waste time. No. So this week, Mark Mulder tweeted, um, guy in a street corner with a sign saying he lost his job and needs money directly across the street from him. Two fast food places have big signs, quote, now hiring all positions, shrug emoji. I can only wonder if he's walked over there. Dan Heron chimes in. We made millions playing a kid's game, shrug emoji. Like, dude, let's not be all judgy. The only reason you're a millionaire is just the total fluke of fate. (laughs) Yeah, you just happen to be able to throw a baseball fast. (laughs) Which in any other period of history would have been a completely meaningless skill. Yeah. So, yeah, one of them understands that there might be some subtlety as to why that guy's standing there with a sign uh, and that he could have just as easily been a guy standing somewhere with a sign. (laughs) Yeah, there clearly does not. Uh, If you you wrote through Mark Mulder's Twitter timeline, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. (laughs) Uh, There's someone called uh, at Oswego CSN 23 responded. One of these former players is really funny many times in a funny, self-deprecating way. The other is apparently just Mark Mulder. I like that. <laughs> um, Dan Heron's pinned tweet, which is why he gets to go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, oh, I had it back here. Where he will donate his UCL to science. Yep. Uh, and then the other one, uh, Pedro Moore uh, tweeted, Alex Wood intends to pitch out of the stretch through 2018. He goes on a bit about why. And Dan Heron uh, quote tweets, I pitched a few seasons completely out of the stretch, actually. Just <laughs> not by choice. <laughs> Oh, which is man. funny because he was actually really good <laughs> oh yeah but he was he's one of those players who was acutely aware of that that father time came for him and there was no looking back there, there was no getting those back so so he he was never one i don't think to to overplay how good he was at any given moment when he was good that was fine but when he wasn't good it wasn't like oh i'm gonna come back next year and be better it was like no i'm old <laughs> i i'm slow i can't do the things i used to do Yep, and so, so Dan will never get into the real Hall of Fame, but he gets to come into ours. One Gold Star Hall of Famer, initial uh, induction, Dan Heron, I throw eighty eight on the Twitter. Which brings yes, us you, to the thing that you you don't want to get from us. Uh, how many times before you enter the Do Over Hall of Fame? Let's think about that. Man, what a cliche! I thought writers Whoops. hated no. cliches. No, no. That's not. The... <laughs> How about I press the right button? Oh my God! Did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a door? We believe in second chances. And we have for the uh, repeat do-over offender, Michael Wilbon. Um, we had him on because he was not happy with some of the statistics being used in this modern game. Yeah, you know, if you notice that the little drop that played, we believe in second chances. We do not believe in third chances, Michael, because you've just blown your second chance. This so back the first do-over we gave to him was back in September, probably or or, or late August, and they were talking about the Cy Young voting and Jacob Dubrom being in the mix, and he was against it. 
Well, he doubled down. Here was his response after DeGrom won the Cy Young almost unanimously, 29 out of 30 votes. Quote, I'm not with these people. I don't respect their judgment, actually, because I don't value what they value. I value winning the damn game more than the ERA, and therefore it is analytical hijacking. These people have hijacked baseball. They want to impose their will and tell you what's important. I don't share most of, maybe none of, their values, and it's absurd. End quote. Jacob deGrom had uh, more starts take with less than one run allowed going into the eighth inning than, like, I can't remember what the percentage was, like 75% of pitchers in baseball. He had more times getting into the seventh inning than like 22 different staffs in baseball <laughs> but he clearly was, uh, no yeah. good <laughs> i mean my good on michael Bil- wilbon for fighting a battle that ended 20 <laughs> years ago yeah i mean like nobody believes this anymore except michael wilbon i mean yes winning games matters for a team that's the end <laughs> Yeah, we, we're not disputing that the wins are important, but that little W beside the pitcher's name, we've all decided it's just a W. It doesn't represent anything that happened on the field. Yeah, it's, it, it's insane that we're even talking about this. Also, you drop the first three words of the quote, which I think sets it because you can you can hear the New York accent. You know, Tony. <laughs> Wilbon's not New York, not a New Yorker. <laughs> He's from Chicago. You might as well be. Uh, there has to be a guy in Tony with with you in the booth when you're being like that, though, right? Like it's got. I, be... I do. I do agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Tony. I don't even know what Tony yeah. does for a living. It's just like you got to sit there and listen to him all day. Um, yeah. Somehow, somehow, the idea that a guy who doesn't allow any runs ever is not the best pitcher in baseball because some guy who allows more runs is uh, is better because his team scored more for him just mm, is mind-bending. So you don't get a do-over, Michael. You get, uh, you get to go into the Hall of Shame. <laughs> get shunned. <laughs> oh, my question is, if you, if you hate that much about the way the game is there must be a bunch of other things you don't like about how the modern games values people what about a different line of work would you consider that (laughs) you should just boycott any baseball talk on part of the interruption yeah i mean they should have that they should talk to some of the guys in toronto about doing that john smoltz yep yeah anybody who really isn't if you're not with how things are being played right now uh you know what step back let someone else who i'm sure there are a lot of people in the minor leagues and in uh local radio who are just itching to talk about a game that they love just just let them you don't sell tickets and you don't get people interested by talking about all the things that are wrong with the sport we, we have to acknowledge that there are some things wrong with the sport, and it kind of pains me to do it all the time because I think that people are less likely to tune in when we point out that the owners are greedy or that uh, there's a labor dispute coming up or, or something else like that. Um, th- those are unfortunate facts. That's not something I want to try and like bang the drum on and make, make the whole reason I talk about this game. That's ridiculous. Agreed. And now enough about these jerks. I want to talk a bit more about Jacob deGrom because this is, he's awesome. Um, his arbitration case is going to be very funny because his former agent is now his GM. But for his last 29 starts of the season, 
He had a quality start, which is three runs or fewer in six innings or more in every single one of them, which was a record, by the way. Of course. Um, he struck out 250 guys in 199 innings. His ERA was 158, and he went eight and nine. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't he put it together, Josh? <laughs> Why couldn't he be just a little bit better? <laughs> I want to know how many times something he did with the bat actually made it so that he could even like end up with a no decision in those 29 starts. That's a research project. I like that. Yeah. How many times, did, despite his losing record, how many times did Jacob DeGrom manage to save his own skin anyway? <sighs> so, yes. Congratulations, Jacob DeGrom. Your literally well-deserved Cy Young Award is in no dispute here. That said, uh, I think we are at the point where I'm going to suggest to you, if you have a final thought, you should make it now. Yeah, it's actually something I wanted to mention earlier and I forgot about. Uh, one of the things that is somewhat interesting about uh, Thornton is the new manager and where he came from. Montoyo came from Tampa, where they you know, rather notoriously used the opener for much of the season last year. And if that's something that they are going to consider doing at points, he's a guy that's really well suited to coming in and pitching three, four innings to bridge to other late inning relievers. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. that they're going to do that. He, he he never said he would and he didn't say he wouldn't. But if they do, he's a guy that would fit that very well. Right. I think uh, just to, to bounce off of that as a final thought, it will be interesting now that it, it doesn't look like there's a super traditional um thought process behind any of the the blue jays you know pitching or 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 uh coaching positions th those front office positions i i think it might be open season to try something different i think again in the long run that's good for the game because we find out is there a different way to win baseball games and if you're the first one to do it and figure it out or if you're you perfect something that someone else has tried you, you can win some extra games that maybe you don't have to pay full price for which would be kind of cool um so yeah i think that might be more interesting going forward because nothing like fresh faces to to make people willing to try something that, that maybe hasn't been tried before yeah all right, that said, uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this has been episode number 123 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, unless something happens like they trade back and get Aledmus Diaz for something else. Talk to you later. Uh, we would do an immediate podcast, by the way, if they do that. <laughs>